This is Fred Stoller. You may know me from Seinfeld, Dumb and Dumber, Get Off the Phone, Everybody Loves Raymond, and the original OG Thrill Seeker. You know what I did? I'm going to rent a movie. I'm not going to rewind it. That's why I love this podcast. You are listening to Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Oh, yeah. I used to just uh, return videos and not rewind them. Screw the late fee. Yeah. Well, thank you, Fred. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. How about you, Mark? Good. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. Ah, I watched something uh, this this week. I know that you probably haven't seen, Mike, but uh, WandaVision came out on, on Disney+, and I watched that. It was pretty good. Is, is that a series or is that a um uh, like a movie? It's a series. So it's uh it's takes it stars Elizabeth Olsen, not one of the Olsen twins, but one of the Olsen spawn and Paul Bettany. They play Wanda and the superhero Vision in the Marvel movies. And I'm not sure exactly what's going on. It's sort of like a it reminds me a little bit of of lost in a, in a way, because at the beginning of the the show, the, they've released two episodes so far. And the first episode, a lot of people don't get this too. For some reason, they think both episodes take place in the fifties. They don't One episode takes place in the fifties. The other takes place in the sixties. So like it begins as like a traditional sit fifties sitcom, like, uh, I, I love Lucy or something like that, where he's a robot because I, I mean that's what he is in in the movies. He's a robot, and she has witch powers. <laughs> and but they move into this town, and they need to blend in with the normal people that live here. Luckily, he can, because he he has a bunch of like weird powers. Like he can phase through things. He he can be you know in in corporate if he needs to, and he can make himself look like the actor Paul Bettany too. Apparently. <laughs> Because he can turn his face into just a normal looking face, which is what he does when he goes out to work. The funny thing about it is I thought maybe that it would be this, like I, th- I thought more would, would focus on the mystery, I guess, where why why are they here? What's going on? What world is this? There's a little bit of that on the surface, but most of the first episode is just a like a normal sitcom plot from the 1950s his boss is and his and his boss's wife are coming to dinner and his big promotion rides on whether or not the dinner goes well and there's a misunderstanding between him and his wife and wackiness ensues and that's pretty much the first episode with little hints around the edges of something weird's going on then in the second episode which is also in black and white. They're both in black and white, and this is what confuses people. Uh, the second episode is the same kind of thing where there are there's more cracks through, more of the mystery cracks through in the second episode, but it's still also just a standard early 60s sitcom plot, and this one's more, I uh, not I Dream of Genie. this one's, well, kind of, I guess, but this one's more bewitched. Uh, in the first episode, she uses her powers, kind of, but just to make, like, she, as she's making this dinner, she's making pots and pans fly up and and stirring things, and no one sees what she's doing. 
so it's the the magic element might well as well not even be in there be it she's just you know lost in the kitchen basically the second episode she uses her magic more in a bewitched style where where it's out in the open because they're doing a magic show for this for a talent show for this town and something happens with vision and he starts messing up and using his real powers but no one can know that he has real powers. So she starts using her powers to cover it up, to make it look like, you know, there's a secret trick or whatever. And it's a very bewitched type plot. Um, and that one is the sixties. Like I said, you can tell by the fashion she's, she's wearing capri slacks instead of a dress like she does in the, in the first episode. And at the beginning of the episode, they hear this noise outside. They're in, they're in two separate beds that are side by side, very 50s style. And she says, you know, they, they like, she moves the beds closer together. And, and at, once they find out that what they heard is just a tree banging against the window and they're not scared anymore. Paul Bettany's like, uh, oh, you, you know, you had a good idea here, Wanda. And she, she you know, does magic to meld the, the two beds into one. And that's sort of like a, you know, a visual representation of we're moving out of the 50s and we're moving into the 60s. At the end of this second episode, she sees a beekeeper come out of the sewer. And she says, no, and and Vision sees it. And he's like, what is that? What is going on? And she goes, no, 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 no. And she does this magic and it rewinds the, the episode basically to like a minute before when they were in the house before coming outside. And she says, you know, she, she changes things so they don't go outside. And then it turns out that she's magically pregnant and then color starts to fill things and, and the house begins to change. And it's clear that we're moving into the seventies. So anytime she does any kind of big magic thing, it seems like we move into a different decade. So I assume that the next episode, they're going to be in the 70s, and it'll be a 70s-style sitcom, and maybe more of the mystery will start to come through. But as of right now, we don't know why they're there. Uh, Vision, from the movies, is dead. So uh, we don't know how he's back, if if it's even really him, if he's really back, or what exactly is going on. But uh, I assume that a lot of those questions will be answered as the show goes on. It's an interesting show. I'd like a little more, uh, like hints of the mystery, and I guess that probably will come in the next uh, in the next few episodes. Um, but sometimes, especially the first ep- the first episode is not super strong because it's not super interesting to listen to or to watch a just a fifth like a very standard 50s sitcom episode you know yeah uh but yeah so that's uh that's what i watched i watched wandavision uh have you watched anything that's on disney plus in case i mean i'm sure anyone that wants to watch it knows that um have you seen anything uh you know this week interesting this week interesting yeah have you seen anything that makes this week interesting (laughs) <laughs> um, I started uh, to watch The Stand on CBS. Oh, uh, really? You know, the, the CBS yeah, All Access? Um, yeah, I tried to find an illegal stream for the uh, the Browns game on Sunday. I couldn't find one, so I had to sign up for a trial for CBS because they had it 
you know, that's where they broadcast it. Right. Um, and then and then I realized, I'm like, oh, wait, I forgot that they have the stand on here, too. And I, I, I thought I'd give it a shot. My wife has never seen it or she's never read the book. So uh, mm-hmm. she's watching it with me. Um, so far, it's all right. I mean, it's not like outstanding, but I mean, it, it's six. It, it diverts from the source material in ways that I think make a lot of sense. You know, it makes okay. it more filmable and it's not like, you know. 30 minutes of exposition about how Jude's Judd's dog ran away and bit a fox or something like they have in the other one, you know? Right. <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting because like uh, in this, in this version, Fanny uh, uh, gets pregnant by Stu, where I thought in the book, in the previous version, she was already pregnant. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's correct. She, she's pregnant uh, as the, the super flu first starts. And she, I think she's, going to tell like from some boy like a shitty boyfriend too and um some uh she's gonna tell her dad about it but then her dad's end up getting sick and she never actually tells him yeah i mean it doesn't explicitly i mean it could still be that this was she was pregnant but she didn't show any sign of being pregnant you know at the beginning or or anything like that right um it's uh i forget some of the characters names uh they still the guy uh the musician guy i forget his name Oh, um, oh, what is his name? Uh, a baby, can you dig your man? Um, yeah, I know that's the song, but I can't remember his name. Is it, uh, is it Dean something or is it Henry? What the I don't, fuck is I, this? I'm not sure. Whatever his name is, uh, it's kind of neat. They show like him coming from like New York, you know, like, uh, when he's like, uh, he's, you know, trying to perform and like everybody's sick at his like record, uh, you know, launch party. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, uh, it's kind of neat. There's like a cameo in there, sort of. Uh, Heather Graham shows up. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she's like an older woman, you know, who obviously has survived the flu as well. Uh, I don't want to give you any spoilers. I don't know if you plan on watching this or not. I might, since, you know, since you say it's it's not too bad. I might actually watch it. Yeah, so far it's not bad. Um, it's, uh, you know, they like, uh, you know, they have like a relationship and that kind of stuff. And uh, it's kind of interesting so far. And uh, I've watched about three episodes and at least two of them, there's like a surprise cameo, but like a pretty big, big time, you know, big name actor. Um. Again, the first one at the very end, it's like uh, one of my favorite actors. I don't again, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but he shows up briefly. Um, what's his name? James Marsters play. I can't. I can't remember the. I, I know Sue. That's his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays Stu. And uh, he's he's okay. I mean, I always I think Gary Sinise fits some more of my vision what Stu looks like in the comics. Yeah, and I you know obviously Gary Sinise is a better actor than uh, James Marsden. I assume. I mean, so so far, just judging by this alone, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's. Not to say James Marsden's bad. It's just Gary Sinise is very good, and I don't know what he, what's Gary Sinise been up to for like the past five ten years. I think he's on one of those CSIs. Oh, is he really? I think so. Wow. Yeah, maybe the New York one or something like that. See, I didn't think that it was still on. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't watch him, but uh, but yeah, I think I think he's been getting that regular um, that regular series check. Um, I mean, it's so good for him. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he is. He's, and I agree. I I liked him. He was one of the things that I liked a lot about the the '94 miniseries. Um, but I mean, there's a lot to not like about that. But he certainly he was definitely one of the the highlights. Uh, let's see. He wow, CSI New York was on from 2004 to 2013. I had no idea. Oh, okay. So that's not on anymore. Um, and then I guess there's a spinoff of Criminal Minds called Beyond Borders, which he was on that. Yeah. And that was from 2016 to 2017. Criminal Minds might be the worst like procedural type TV show I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yes, I agree. 
<laughs> oh, he's on 13 Reasons Why now, apparently, too. And I guess he's going to be in a movie called Joe Bell. It's about, uh, it's a Larry McMurtry screenplay, so, I mean, that's not bad. Oh, Mark Wahlberg's producing it. I guess. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Mark Wahlberg's starring in it. I don't know if I love it. Um, But anyway, yeah, he, uh, I like Gary Sinise a lot, too. Um, What was I going to say? So yeah, yeah, I might. I, well, Larry Underwood. That was the. That's the name of the. Um, that's it. Yep, the Larry singer. Underwood. Yeah, he's he's actually played by the guy who played. Um, ah, oh, geez, what's uh, Louis Gossett Jr.'s character in The Watchmen? When uh, he was younger, that's who's playing uh, Larry. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I can't remember the actor's name. But he's very good in The Watchmen. He's good in this too. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you I know, like it's it's interesting. The first, the first, uh, the ninety four version. I, some of the casting I liked a lot. Like I thought, um, I thought, ah, oh, geez, what's his name? Uh, Patrick, you know that fucking, you know, Scandinavian guy. From, the uh, Fabergaki, the one from yes, the voice of Patrick from Coach. SpongeBob and the voice of Patrick yeah, from Oz. Yeah, not Patrick. <laughs> no, I know some some very German name, but yeah, yeah, he's uh, he, I, I like him. I don't even know if that character is on is in this so far. I haven't seen uh, t- Tom. What's his name? Tom Moon. Yeah, something. Tom, uh, so it's, not Tom, it's not Tom Moon, but he M O O N. I haven't seen right. him yet. And Nick is on there, but he's uh, a little a little different. And uh, what's the oh, geez the guy who's like his uh, who's Flag's right hand man? Lloyd. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Lloyd, the guy, Lloyd think, Hendred or something like that. I think I think uh, what's his name Miguel Ferreira played him the first time. Yeah, he did. He's pretty good. Yeah, I like him. He's pretty good. Uh, but in this, like, uh, the the character at least is a lot so far was a lot more wild because Lloyd seemed like a very serious character all throughout his mm-hmm. appearance in the book. Yeah, and appa- apparently that's Stephen King's favorite character from what I've uh, what I've read. Interesting. Yeah, like, but I mean, and I, like but, overall, or just that they're from that from yeah, that book. And I think it's just in the stand. Okay. I mean, it's, a, it's it's he's an interesting character. He's you know kind of conflicted. Like he kind of mm-hmm. just like he kind of like is one of the. Like the, uh, what do you call it, the banality of evil. That's kind of what's going on with Lloyd in the book. Yes. I don't know how it's going to happen. He's like, you know, he's like, he's a bad guy to start with, but I mean, he kind of just like has accepted his role. You know, he, he knows he, he's one of the people who's consciously doing bad, but he's not really a bad person. It's a really interesting kind of, you know, character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he is definitely an interesting character. And I like, that's another, I like uh, Miguel Ferreira a lot. And um, he's another good part of that 94 uh series who who did you say is playing him in this one uh i'm not really sure who the guy is i i looked him up because he i thought he was familiar but then when i looked at the credits he wasn't i guess he was in uh i think i don't know if it was like disney or maybe nickelodeon show called the naked brothers band hmm. never heard of it yeah i'm not really sure um he's okay but i mean it's, he's more like a uh what's the name of the guy from um the character in the Shawshank Redemption, like the the rebel kind of guy that gets shot by the guards outside. Oh yeah, remember him. He, it's very similar to that kind of character so uh, far, at least. But I mean, you know, we he's only just encountered Flag, uh, and I, I do like I do like um, I forget his name. He, he actually is a uh, a Scandinavian, but the guy who plays uh, Flag, he's pretty good, I think. Uh, well, he's actually of, uh, isn't it one of the Scars guards? Yeah, yeah. I say he's, he, his brother is actually the guy from It, so. It's like Alexander Skarsgård or Bill. Yeah, I think I think that's it, Alexander. And I think Bill is the one in uh yeah. in it. Yeah, Bill's it. But it, it, 
he has a pretty subdued performance. Like he's not like overtly menacing. I, I don't know if you ever saw True Blood. He was uh, the guy who the Scarsgard guy. He's really good on True Blood, actually. So I mean, that kind of carries over a little bit to here, you know, where he's still this like, uh, you know, kind of like a kind of he could be like you know charming. He could be menacing. He's a pretty. pretty I actually, my wife and I actually just, although she's seen it before, she's the one that, that turned me on to it, but we actually just finished the first season of True Blood. Um, and okay, uh, yeah, That's a show that, like, I, I like the first two, maybe three seasons, but then eventually it's like every fucking character on the show is like, oh, look, I'm a supernatural so-and-so. Right. Yeah, she, we've, she's only watched, I think she's only watched the first two seasons. And she said she okay. Those are those are both pretty good. Yeah, she said she could never get past that. So, and we have HBO Max, so that's one of the shows that we throw in the rotation of you know uh, our nightly watching things where we'll we'll turn on uh, True Blood. And like I said, we just finished the the first season. I thought the first season was pretty good. I the I thought the the mystery was pretty good. I was you know I I had I the person I don't want to spoil anything if anybody hasn't watched True Blood, but the the person that ends up being the the killer. I had him on my list of like three people, but I wasn't, um, you know, I mean, it, I was a toss up between those three people. So I think they did a, a pretty good job kind of mixing uh, things up. And I'm interested to see what happens with uh, the next season and where it kind of goes from here. Yeah. It's, like I say, I think my wife has seen the whole series maybe twice, mm-hmm. but at a certain point for me, it just gets a little too much, like too, too soap opery, which, Honestly, every show ultimately becomes that for the most part. Like even shows I like, where they just keep adding more characters, it's like, oh no, we're having relationship issues. It's like that's that's not why I'm watching a show. Yeah, for for a TV show, you either you either die the hero or live or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. It's like you can go out the way Breaking Bad did, where it's like five excellent seasons and then you're done. And even then, as you've pointed out a couple times, there are. There's a couple times, you know, in some of the episodes, especially later, where where Walt becomes kind of ridiculously overpowered. Um, but for the most part, they did a really good job of, of balancing things in Breaking Bad. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you know, once that that if that if that was show was still on now, if that show went ten or fifteen seasons, God forbid, that show would have gotten ridiculous because you can't at some point. It's it's like the law of diminishing returns, right? So with a TV show, you want to continually sort of ramp up the the drama. You want to ramp up the the emotion of things, but you can only get to you know one crescendo, and then you're kind of done. You don't you can't you can't you can't go. Shows don't have a great refractory period. You can't uh, you can't um, you know kind of go again uh, you know real quick. So when shows last really long, they, they have to end up going to ridiculous means to try to, to reach that, that same level of kind of tension. And yeah, that's, I think you're totally right on that. Uh, shows, if they go long enough, they end up becoming soap opery type things. Some shows like we've talked about, some shows should just be one season. Some, some shows might be, you know, might be good with, with two seasons. Shows should know, what their limit is going in before they even film the first episode. Uh, what's how many seasons can we make this? What, how long does this, is this premise going to go to where, you know, we can, we can build things up and some shows might be able to do five or, or 10 seasons maybe. Uh, but most shows probably are good at around three, three or under. (laughs) And, um, 
And yeah, like that, like uh, Stranger Things. I know you're not a like you're not a fan of Stranger Things, but that's one where, to me, there's one more. They're doing one more season of Stranger Things, and then it'll be over. And I kind of feel like eh, that first season was really good, and maybe that was, maybe that was their limit. Since then, it's there's you know sporadically some interesting things, but nothing hits that that high that the first season did. Yeah, I mean, it really is weird. Like, even like a, I'm rewatching the X Files a lot, and I, I've noticed some of the episodes that I thought were like really good. Some of them aren't as good as I remember. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Which I thought that show would, you know, especially hold up, but it, it's it's definitely not. There are some there are some episodes because I've I've rewatched uh, some of it too, especially for the Retro Late Fee podcast because obviously it's you know it's currently airing at the time that that's going on. Um. And some episodes still hold up really well, but like you said, there are a lot of episodes that that just really don't anymore. And and you know, in some ways, that's a a compliment to the show because the show so inspired other things that it it feels like a dated cliche at this point, and it, and it didn't when it was first released. And some shows just aren't that, or some episodes just aren't as good as. You know, they just they just haven't held up at all, but some but there are a lot of they did good work on that show for sure, and there's still episodes that really hold up. I think. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's just like you know, there's like our common complaint by me. There's 22 episodes on a season. You know, how are we going to have 22 good episodes in one season? It's so it's so impossible. There's the only way you can do it, and the way they used to do it, and people. It's like with kids, right? How they want to read the same books over and over again or hear the same songs over and over again. When when te- television was newer in the 50s and the 60s, they they could do that. They could basically they'd have 22 episodes and every plot was pretty much exactly the same. You you're just rearranging elements. So it's like, okay, you know, you like you and I could sit out and plot a 1950s show. Uh, you know, introduction uh, of the problem, misunderstanding, uh, wackiness ensues, resolution of the problem, we're out. And all you're doing is switching up the elements a little bit and writing jokes. And you can do that for 22 episodes and keep it. It's 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 not dynamically interesting. It's the equivalent of eating, you know, like like hamburger every night. Um, you know, you might like you might like it, but you're never getting steak. You're you're never getting a, a beef Wellington. You're never getting, uh, you know, like a chicken a la king or, or anything like that. You're not getting a, a bunch of variety. And television just isn't like that anymore because because we've you know our palates have matured as a as an audience uh, in a lot of degrees or a lot of ways. And there's just a lot more really good TV out there. And when you when you watch a formulaic sitcom next to something like Community or something like um, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, something that does something interesting, when you watch a really formulaic sitcom next to that, it pales in comparison. And those shows don't last anymore because audiences are like, no, I've had this. What, what do I want this shit for? Yeah. All right. But yeah, so so uh, television's definitely changed. And I, for the most for the most part, for the better, in my opinion, uh, over the years. Yeah, I would say so. Let's see. 
I'm looking at uh, what's trending on Twitter right now in the entertainment section. NCIS is airing. How is that show still on there? Mark Harmon's still got a job. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, good for him. I don't but... know. Like, is it like the original? I think they have a spinoff as well. But isn't NCIS like a spinoff of something? Uh, Jag maybe or something. I don't know. I'm not I, really sure. I think NCIS it, is is um, the same. I think it's uh, Donald Belisario, right? The guy that created Quantum Leap and Magnum PI. No idea. I think so. I've never, I've never heard that name until you just said it. Yeah, he's the guy that created those two shows. Um, yeah, th- that's talk about a formulaic uh, television show. <laughs> those these shows to me, I know they're ratings juggernauts on regular cable and everything, but these shows are relics of a an age that is quickly passing us by. The the people, I think, the their their core audience has got to be like 55, maybe even 60 plus, right? I'm not sure, but apparently NCIS has been on since 2003. Yeah, that is 17 years. <laughs> Jesus. I'm looking up right now, average viewer age for NCIS, 60. Well, there you go. So and It's most popular in Louisville, Pittsburgh, Dayton, Ohio, and Kansas City, Missouri. That makes a lot of sense to me, that it would be popular in Kansas City and Dayton. <laughs> but uh yeah so those you know as as we move on 20 years from now there's not going to be sh- shows like that aren't going to exist anymore their audience will be mostly dead and they just they're just not going to exist anymore hmm. i think it actually is a spinoff of jag is jag still on no i don't think so i think jag's been off for a long time Hmm. That's crazy to think that just someone is so wealthy off of this fucking show. Yeah, seriously. Donald Belisario is probably worth uh, a couple hundred million dollars. I assume so. Hey, like, yeah, just make make sure you round all the edges off this one. Right. <laughs> Apparently, today is the 20th anniversary of the release of the movie Donnie Darko. And oh, it's also the 20th anniversary of Wikipedia. Oh, is it? Oh, wow. According to Wikipedia. They they debuted the same time, 2001. And it's the it's the 19th anniversary of the guess, sh- of the short-lived guess, uh animated <laughs> Donnie Darko. The Donnie Darko Family Hour, the animated show. Or no, Donnie Darko and Friends, that's what it was called, right? Yeah. Uh, that oh, was man, st- look at that picture of this Donald Belsario guy. He looks crazy. Yeah, he's, like, bald, right? I'm trying to remember what he looks like. Yeah, but like. this, pi- this picture was 19... 19- <laughs> You're going to love this, Mark. Mm-hmm. This picture, first of all, he's, like, you know, he said very balding. Mm-hmm. Has some ridiculous sunglasses on. His head's, like, tilted down at an angle with a cigar in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Guess where this picture was taken? You will never guess in a thousand years when where this picture was taken. Uh, the Vatican. LeapCon. <laughs> which, I assume, which I assume is a, is a convention for Quantum Leap. Apparently, yeah. LeapCon. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, he's... You're upset you missed that. He's so oh, 1993 LeapCon. Very upset. He... He, um... 
he will never reboot uh, Quantum Leap, apparently, because his wife, for some reason, uh, also has, like, part ownership of uh, Quantum Leap, and he does not want to get, to give her any revenue stream, apparently. <laughs> apparently, it was not a, a good divorce, so... That's the reason yeah, I mean, that we that's the reason we don't have a resolution to quantum leap. Yeah. Let's see. I'm looking you know what's up funny? I'm looking up LeapCon. Uh let's see. I'm looking up this uh Bellisario guy. Uh it's kinda interesting. Um not interesting, but this made me uh, think of something because uh it says he uses like the same characters in a lot of stuff, and one of the characters in this one thing was called uh was Stephen Collins, the guy from Seventh Heaven who was like uh I do, he did something really weird. I can't remember. It was with a uh, you know like a child or something. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's a problematic person. Yeah. And there's like an audio thing uh, where it was like him t- admitting to abusing children, like to his ex-wife, and I think she like released it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it said he committed inappropriate conduct in '73, '82, and '94. Oh wow! Oh, I believe '94 might have been. Uh, yeah, every ten years he. Uh, He's but, he's like the it monster, but for uh, diddling children. That's great. Right. But the thing about that is, uh, the Cosby Show. You can't find that anywhere on TV anymore. Seventh oh, really? Heaven is still. When I was uh, on the CBS uh, All Access thing, mm-hmm. Seventh Heaven is still on there. I mean, this is It's like the the most ridiculous example because, like, it's. Uh, I don't know if it's. I believe he's like a priest or a not probably not a priest. Well, maybe in real life, um, he's like a he's like a pastor or something, and like I know yeah. he has like a big you know because he doesn't know how to use protection, right? Um, so it's like a super religious show, and he's like a pastor, but he's like a child bluster in real life, and they keep that on. But like, you know, God for well, I guess Cosby was kind of wrong too. But I mean, there's been shows taken off for less for sure. Well, he did those. He sold out and did those Jello pop, pudding pop commercials. So. <laughs> Haven't followed his career since. What is uh, Mr. Cosby up to these days? Oh my god! <laughs> I am so they haven't yeah. they haven't done a leap con since 1999. Oh my god! They were still doing them in 1999. Yeah, so they had. They, <laughs> where do where do they hold these at? They're California. I, I'm not sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna find out. But they're they're um so here's. This is so funny to me. There are pictures from every LeapCon from 1992 to 1999 when they stopped doing them. But then in 2009, they did the Leap Back, which was oh no another another um like the like an anniversary LeapCon for some reason because I guess the show came out in '89, so it was you know in conjunction with the anniversary. But they didn't do one in 2019, apparently. Jeez. Yeah, the uh, and it's held at the uh, yeah Los Angeles, California. That's what it says. But uh, one the 1999 one was spring spring leap because it was during spring break. Come on. <laughs> oh, they had them in different. They had them in different locations. One was in Kansas City, the Kansas City Leap Fest of 1998. Well, we've discovered it's very popular there. The, yeah, exactly. The Indy, Ohio, is that one? The Indy Leap Fest, so uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, 97. East Leap, I don't know where that, let's see. Let me see where that one was held at. In the East. <laughs> oh, it was held in the uh, the Orient, apparently. The Far East. Oh, Lord. 
The no. Orient? <laughs> <Just joking>. <laughs> <laughs> the middle the Middle East? Uh Morristown, New Jersey. At the Morristown Inn. In Morristown, New Jersey. Is there any way can you tell if any of the uh <laughs> I would have seen the decreasing <laughs> the decreasing attendance? <laughs> Not only that, hold on. <laughs> But also, like, the quality of, like, you know, of the, how tangible the connection of the person appearing as the guest was to the actual show. Let me tell you something. Like, year, like year one, Scott Bakula. What's, what's, what's the leap? What's East Leap? What's that like? Right. The East Leap, they have, it's the key grip from the show. <laughs> the key grip's ex-wife. Yeah, we still get checks. <laughs> any, any, any other questions? <laughs> 96's was called Accelerate 96. <laughs> and this program is the worst piece of shit ever. <laughs> it's just a bunch of drawings of uh, Scott Bakula and uh, Dean Stockwell as their characters. And it's, it's so bad. It looks like, it looks like a 10 year old um, did <laughs> Let's see. Eat, let's let me look at because I can see the programs. Let me look at East Leap's programs. Oh, here's here's a uh, uh, October eighteenth, nineteen ninety six. Here's a a um, message, dear fellow leapers. Well, this year surely flew by. Welcome once again to the East Coast's. Come on, you can't see it left by right. <laughs> Welcome once again to the East Coast's third annual celebration in honor of quantum leap it was or it never ceases to amaze me the power this television program continues to have let me tell you it's it's difficult for me to read this because whatever font they chose is the shittiest it's like trying to read old english runes the way they've written this (laughs) is it wingdings i think so it seems every time i mention what this convention is all about the person I'm telling says, hey, I used to love that show. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine this dude getting totally into like how much money they're spending on this convention, all this stuff and everything. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, I used to like that show. <laughs> <laughs> Quantum Leap is it, managed. Is it, is it, is it, <laughs> go ahead. Quantum Leap managed in four and a half years to make quite a lasting impression on the American public. Not not enough of one the to American not be canceled. <laughs> I think that's because all the things it stood for are universal. That it's a good thing to care about your fellow humans and one person can make a difference. Without the help of a few of my fellow humans... I wouldn't have been able to make a difference and create this special weekend. My deepest gratitude to, uh, you know, and, then, and there's a bunch, I don't want to call anybody out. There's a bunch of people that he thanks. Uh, I am looking very forward, very forward to connecting with friends near and old. Those aren't near and old. They're, that's not, those aren't, equal comparisons what are you talking about (laughs) not (laughs) not new and old near and old (laughs) this weekend maybe they're all old and hope all of you get a chance to do the same enjoy yourself and keep the leap 
What does that mean? Is that like a is that some kind of call to action? It's the only word that it's the only word they can find that rhymed with leap. Keep the leap. <laughs> I want to see if there's a like a program list of you know like how 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 deep into quantum leap is your knowledge? How deep into leap is you might say? <laughs> I mean, I'm. I watched all the episodes. I'm I'm fairly a massive leafy. We're taking a deep leap into quantum leap. <laughs> I'm fairly I'm fairly knowledgeable. I'm not super, but fairly knowledgeable. Here's a couple things uh, that I'm looking at that are insane. Okay, mm-hmm. first of all, Donald Belisario is on the show at one point. <laughs> oh, really? I don't remember. I think I, I'm guessing when they list people like this, it's like when they look in the mirror, you know, and they see like a. Uh, Oh, yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm guessing that because it's a character who's a paranormal researcher investigating a possible haunting. Oh, yeah. I remember that episode, uh, the Trojan episode. Yeah. Another thing is, uh, at least on two separate occasions, Sam leaps to a person with Down syndrome. Yes, that's true. It's the same person, which I don't think they would do today. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And this this is the craziest thing. In season five, Sam discovers a leaper from another project. Are you familiar with this? Yes. The evil leaper. I think her name's Lisa. Aaliyah. Aaliyah, that's right. And she has an evil uh, counterpart to Zicky named Zoe. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. Yep. And apparently Zoe leaped, which I don't know that they could do that, but whatever. Yep. (laughs) And then the computer's name was Lothos? Yeah, Lothos. What the... Lothos was the computer, and yeah, yeah, Chloe was her was her Al. What the fuck? Yeah, the the show got desperate for stuff. Then 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 they like he leaped. They do a sliders crossover. (laughs) They should have. He leaped into a. Actually, I think it was canceled before sliders. Uh, you know, came on on board there. Cancel culture. But he he leapt into Elvis Presley at one point. He leapt into someone bodyguarding Marilyn Monroe. Uh, they had a whole storyline of him leaping into Lee Harvey Oswald and the Kennedy assassination thing. It's yeah, they they I can't they remember that. They tried some stuff to to get uh you know to get things going, but they couldn't get the ratings. So I don't know who they have. Um, I'm trying to think because I don't like I can't find the the page before this in the program. But whoever they have uh, guesting on this thing, I mean, it's not Scott Bakula, but they have uh, a list of credits for him, and it says... Oh, we can figure this out. His TV movies, okay? So here's his TV movies. Bonanza the Return, Born to be Sold, The Failing of Raymond, Fatal Memories, Gambler 3... In the Line of Duty, The Prince of Vengeance, The Innocent, Justice in a Small Town, A Killing Affair, The Langoliers, Madonna, Innocent Lost, uh, Paper Man, Shame, Son of the Morning Star, Twilight Man, Unabomber, The True Story, Vanishing Sun 2, and his upcoming projects include the movie Mikhail's Navy. What? <laughs> No, this is from the con back in, not like, 96. Oh, okay. 
So I'm not sure who that guest was because it doesn't. It's it's you know I know who it is. It's Dean Stockwell. Oh, is it? Okay. He's in, he's, in, he's in Born to Be Sold, and I think he was in McHale's Navy as well. Oh yeah, you're right. He was. So they got. Let me. See, let me I got his credits pulled up here. Hold on. I think we got it. They got Dean he's Stockwell. All... He was also an NCIS. That's a good kid for uh for for LeapCon. Yeah. Oh wait I mean, a second. I can only think of one person you'd rather have. Oh wait a second. I'm sorry. I found the I found the page where this begins. Um, it's not that He's they. Doing a Tony show. It's not that they got Dean Stockwell. That it's just Dean Stockwell's biography. <laughs> <laughs> they just put. They just put his. Uh, they just put his credits on here. It's his resume. <laughs> they've got one for Scott. They've got one for Scott Bakula. They've got one for Dean Stockwell. Um, but their guests for this uh, this thing is no one. <laughs> oh, you know what we do, we need to do here, Mark. We need to start a uh, virtual LeapCon. Absolutely. And uh, we'll do it on our next show. We'll try and line up some uh, Scott Bakula level guests. Talk about the leap. Yep, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna cont- I'm gonna find and contact everyone associated with the show and try to get them uh, on here. Okay. Oh, here we go. I got. Okay. Here's who they got. They got Julie Barrett. Um, what is this? Julie Barrett. In between our guests, it says Julie Barrett. In between. Fending off telephone solicitors and running to the mailbox to see if there are any checks. Julie Barrett sits at her computer and writes. And she has... The, I think her job is that she uh, is a telephone harasser. Apparently. And she has the hips to prove it, it says. Her first book, Quantum Leap A to Z, was published by Berkeley Boulevard in September. And she's now working... Wait, wait. This is somebody who, so this is somebody who writes books about Quantum Leap. She's not on Quantum Leap. Correct. Right? Yeah. And she, what the fuck? And she's working on a Quantum Leap novel. So she's a person that writes Quantum Leap fan fiction, basically. And she's a... Who, do they have any other guests? Uh, Ginger Buchanan. Spelled really weird. G-I-N-J-E-R. That's Ginger, apparently. Does she operate the zine for Quantum Leap? <laughs> the web zine. Back in 96, Aww. for sure. <laughs> Ginger Buchanan was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, long enough ago to remember the the invention of television. Fuck. In the late 60s, she discovered science fiction fandom and became a founding mother of the Western Pennsylvania Science Fiction Society. She moved to New York City in the early 70s, where she made her living for over a dozen years as a social worker. During that time, she also worked as a freelancer for various sci-fi publishers, including Pocket Books, this might be going where you said, where she was the consulting editor for the Star Trek novel program and the science fiction book club for which she did outside reading. In 1984, she was offered a full-time job as an editor at Ace Books. Since then, uh, she was due for a midlife career change. She accepted immediately. In 1987, she was promoted to senior editor and in 1994 to executive editor, sci-fi and fantasy January of this year, Ginger was promoted again to senior executive editor in marketing. So she's the senior editor and marketing director for Sci-Fi and Fantasy magazine. So she's this other lady's agent is what you're telling me. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Then we have Laura Ann Gilman. 
uh, spent who she spends her work days and a good portion of the weekend as executive editor for Rock Science Fiction. Is she, is, is she an assistant to the other? She's the editor. Okay. <laughs> yep. When Are she, there any interns in the marketing department showing up? When she gets a free moment. However, she switches hats and becomes a writer of short stories. Clean up your room from Don't Forget Your Spacesuit. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. She also has great pleasure in co-writing Double or Nothing, a Quantum Leap book that was published in December 1995. So she co-wrote a book with the other writer on here. And then John Peel, uh, Nottingham, England, home home of Robin Hood, it says, but now lives on Long Island with his wife, Nan, and their fox terrier, Dashell, and their feline, Terror Amica. He's the author of more than 50 books, including the young adult horror novels, science fiction, and numerous TV tie-ins. He is the only author to have written original novels for both the most popular British TV science fiction show, Doctor Who, and the most popular American TV sci-fi show, Quantum Leap. No, Star Trek. Oh, come on. There's no way. They're not going to dare say that. (laughs) He's also written an Avengers novel, uh, numerous, and I don't know what that means. Does that mean... Yeah, this is 1996, though, so... Yeah, does that mean mean the, like, the uh, Emma Peel Avengers, you know, the British Avengers, or... Probably. Uh, numerous. Gee, so bad. Numerous. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego books? <laughs> and several volumes based on Nickelodeon's popular "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" So that's who they got. That's who they got to guest on the first ever. Or did not, he have anything? Did he? What does he have to do with Quantum Leap? Nothing. So he's just another author. Yep. He probably lives in the area. <laughs> Yeah, that's I'm. Yeah, that my 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 thought is that most of these people were just, uh, you know, available. Now the original LeapCon, guess who was at the original LeapCon? This is this goes to your to your point, by the way. The the uh, the two guests at the original LeapCon, nineteen ninety five, Burbank, California, held between Feb- oh, I think I know where this- <laughs> held between February eighteenth and February nineteenth, nineteen ninety five, uh, were Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I figured. I was gonna say maybe Dean Stockwell and that uh, that Donald guy who wrote the show, but yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. But I mean, also it's Burbank. I mean, right. They probably went there directly, feel like from the set. So yeah, they they got them for the first one. Uh, the second one is Deborah Pratt. That's um, that's Donald Pelisario's ex and Scott ba- and Scott Bakula. So oh, okay. So they still had Bacula. Dean Stockwell didn't show up. Then the next one was Accelerate '96 with that shitty, um, that shitty uh, thing. And then, um, oh my god, <laughs> you're totally right. By the way, so this one took place. <laughs> this one took a place in uh, Peoria. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and. Mike Tucker was there giving a talk about special effects on Red Dwarf and Doctor Who. So he was a <laughs> he's a special effects dude. Uh John Diaquino, who I think um uh was a I think he was a one of the like he was in a couple of the episodes, I think. Um so he's an actor, but he was only on a couple episodes of the show. Um there's someone that 
did an impersonation of Al. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it it started to go downhill from there. And then the next year is um is uh the one where they had the writers. <laughs> And then let's see, we go down to KC Leap, and it's uh, Beverly Leach, who is on the episode Sea Bride, talks about the tango scene and the dress. Uh, And then let's see, Natalie Pavlovich talks about her audition for Lee Harvey Oswald and meeting Don Belisario. (laughs) Oh, and John D'Aquino's back. Yeah. (laughs) Good for you, buddy. But yeah, that's um, that's that's ninety eight. Let's see if they who they if they got anybody for the leap back. Oh, okay. Well, yes, they did. They got Scott Bakula and they got Donald Belisario for the leap back. So they really stepped up there uh, for that anniversary. Very good. But man, did that uh, that was a sad trip down. Down that lane, man. Oh, that's the slow death of a convention for you guys. LeapCon. Right. Oh, but that is, uh, I think that's all the time we got for today. Um, Mike, is there anything you want to tell everybody? Fuck no. All right, well, then we will see you next week. Bye. See you next time.